Yeah. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to. Let's see what we do there. We could just name it like the Hoodie Club or something like that. Hoodie Club. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Hoodie Club, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, music, and how there's more depth to entertainment than what appears to be on the surface. I'm your host, Rhea. And I'm Parker. Today we're going to talk about how Captain America and Iron Man's character arcs go together and what we can learn from that. But before that, the name of this podcast is called the Hoodie Club. So, Parker, what are you wearing today? Um, I have a gray, like dark gray hoodie, and it says Pacific... What Pacific Pacific Sun Sunwear Pacific Sunwear? Yep, that's what I have on. How about you, Ria? Uh, I've got a FHN Today FHN Media hoodie. It's like a light blue aqua color, and I I just really like the color. Now moving into the topic of today's episode, like while watching the MCU, you notice that essentially the two main characters of the series, or like the Infinity Saga, which is like the first twenty three twenty four movies are Captain America and Iron Man, and, like, their character arcs are so dependent on each other that it's, like, hard to tell apart from them, and, like, the dichotomy between them is what, to me, makes it, like, so interesting to watch. Yeah. And so, essentially, what their character arcs do is they switch places. For example, in Phase 1, essentially, the introduction of all of the characters You meet Tony Stark in the first Iron Man movie, the first movie in the MCU, and we're introduced to essentially a narcissist, and he, like, by the end of the movie, turns into a decent human being. He essentially goes from a narcissist to an egotist, where he's not like, everything is because of me, but he's like, yeah, okay. How do I phrase this? Yeah, I did that. He's like, yeah, I did that. I did the good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, like... He's, like, still... How do I say it? I know what you mean now. He's still, like, prideful of himself, and he can still be arrogant, but he's, like, he just doesn't put it in people's faces as Yeah, much. he's not as arrogant, and he does good things now. Yeah, like, he knows he's good. Yeah, and so, like, by the end, he's doing heroic things, but it's still, like, for his self-gain and everything, and that's essentially, like, what his character arc is in the first Iron Man movie. And, like, also leads to who he is in the um, in Iron Man 2 and in the Avengers. Um, Iron Man 2, we, like, essentially see a more reckless Tony Stark because, like, he hates to admit it, but he's dying. So he's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to be, like, a complete hero, but... Hosting parties and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just having the time of his life, but still very much reckless. We also see him, like fighting for the ownership of his suits um, in court and, like, not letting the government have any control over it, which is very different from, like, who, of, like, who he becomes as a character later on. So, essentially, like, first two Iron Man movies, he wants ownership over himself and his identity. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, and then Captain America in his first two movies. Just so, like, we've got two movies for each character. For Captain America, we're going to go with the first Avenger and the first Avengers movie. Because, fun fact, 
The first Avengers movie was originally, like, a Captain America-centric narrative, which is why there's, like, so many scenes of him in the movie. Oh, that does make sense. Yeah. And then they, like, reshaped it a bit, so it's, like, more of a team-up movie than it was before. But, yeah, it's... Which I think is, like, pretty funny, because I know that it was a team effort to stop whatever whatever it was trying Loki? to destroy the world. Yeah, Loki yeah, was... Loki. Loki and the Shatari. And his army and whatever... Um, but I think it's just pretty funny that they were going to make it Captain America, like, centered, and then Iron Man was the one who, like... Oh, yeah, made like, the made the sacrifice play in that one. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. But, so, when Captain America is introduced, when Steve Rogers is first introduced, he is, like, a man who's wanting to join the army to be a soldier and fight in World War World War Two, just like all of his other colleagues and, um... He's, like, very much a man for the collective. He's got no problem following orders or anything. And in the end of the first adventure, he's the one that, like, makes the sacrifice play and ends his life in order to, like, save everyone else. Right. Um, and also, like, we learned from that movie that he he was chosen to be the super soldier because he's, like, innately good and, like, doesn't necessarily question authority as much in this movie, but... At heart, he's a good man. He'd sacrifice his life for others so that, like, the cause could go on. Um, Yeah, and then in the first Avengers movie, again, he doesn't, like, really question authority. Um, He's also very much a man out of time because he's, like, a guy from the 1940s. Oh, yeah. Being crashed into the 2010s. Like, that leads to a bit of whiplash in his character. Um, most of his friends from his old life are gone, except for, like, Peggy, and he doesn't, like, really know about that yet. Um, and he missed his happy ending, so he's, like, fine that he doesn't get a happy ending, because the one he wanted, he didn't get. And I feel like that somewhat affects how he is now, too. Like, I feel like there's, whatever he had with Peggy Carter, he's, like, it's still on his head, but I feel like it's it's almost made him, like, kind of emotionless in some way. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like he's not really emotionally stable anymore in the MCU. After It, like, what doesn't happened. really have many emotions during, like, the first phase. Right. Uh, I've got, like, mad, compassionate, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, very just, but he's got, like, the emotional range of a teaspoon. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, at that point. Um, he also meets Tony Stark in the first Avengers movies, who Tony's still a good person, but he's just got, like, the opposite belief system where Tony's more of a lone wolf and, like, at this point, Tony's more of a lone wolf and believes in the individual, whereas Steve believes in the collective and, like, for the greater good stuff. Again, he still, like, believes in freedom and justice, which is why he's against Loki, because uh, they were the same reasons why he fought World War too because he believed in freedom and justice and didn't like bullies and he does what he he does what needs to be done because like you notice in the beginning of the avengers movie he's just like punching a punching bag and is isolating himself and just completely like neglecting his needs and emotions until fury's like okay you know what i've got a mission for you there's aliens invading are you in and he's like okay Mm mm-hmm and, like, is very much, I will do what needs to be done type of person. Yeah. 
moving on to phase two, phase two is where we see the characters of Steve and Tony's viewpoints start to change to like completely opposite views. Iron Man 3 does a really good job of setting up Tony being a father figure and like wanting a family and everything with that kid. Yeah. Who's very forgettable. His name's Harvey, right? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. It's been a bit since I've watched that movie. Honestly, the Iron Man movies are very forgettable. I agree. <laughs> Harvey. Except for the first one. I like the first one. Oh yeah, the first one was good. Yeah, Harvey Keener. Okay, his name is Harvey. So, like, it does a really good job of setting up Tony being a father figure and, like, wanting to be a family man. And, like, the first Iron Man movie does that, too, with, like, him being a man without a family to, like, Iron Man 3 where he's mentoring a child. And by the end of that movie, we see that Tony doesn't, like, feel like he has to be Iron Man. And at that point, he's really only Iron Man because the Avengers need him to be. But other than that, he's not, like waltzing around in the suit, making new suits to, like, comfort his fears or anything. Right, you can see him change. Yeah, and then Age of Ultron happens, and Wanda gives him, like, gives all the Avengers those, like, visions of their worst fears or their deepest desires. And with Tony, we see the Avengers lose, and, like, the team's, like, all dead. He sees, like, Steve being like, yo, you could have saved us. And because of that fear, he creates Ultron. And so um, Ultron was, like, meant to be a suit of armor against, like, the world to, like, protect the world. But it ends up turning on him because it was, like, created because of fear, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And also the creation of Ultron probably, like, started that rift between Steve and Tony. Just because of, like, the lack of trust they had with each other when... Right, especially because Tony, like, did not tell anyone else about it except for, uh... Bruce. Yeah. Also, the events of Age of Ultron lead to the events of Civil War, where, uh, the the Sokovia Accords are created because of, like, the damage done by Civil War. Mm-hmm. Also, Tony Stark should be a war criminal from the events of Age of Ultron. Oh, he definitely should. The like, stuff the he, stuff that went on during Age of Ultron. He created like, a super bot. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that almost dropped like a five mile wide block of a city. Yeah. It's kind of like yikes. Uh, I mean, um, but so in Civil War, like we see him become much more of a generous person where Like, in the beginning, he starts a charity where, like, young individuals are able to um, invent and, like, create things, and, like, he'll fund all of it. Um, We also, like, see Tony lose everything he's got. Um, He loses Pepper. Um, He, like, loses his trust in himself, mostly, especially after um, that one mother tells him about the death of her son from sokovia so he's like and the amount of guilt he feels from that um is insane and like is what leads to his decision to like sign the accords also have you noticed that tony's a very guilt-driven character well oh, yeah 100 percent. because like in the first iron man he like shuts down the weapons manufacturing thing mainly because he's guilty of it guilty of like what was going on and that was like a healthy form of guilt but like and I feel like that's also, I feel like his, like, 
I feel like that guilt could also come from him isolating himself when he's not being called into work. Like, I feel like that's also just a fact of, like, just his mental stableness. Because he's probably still trying to deal with everything. Oh, yeah. Dude's, like, got severe PTSD. Like, 100%. they explore the PTSD a bit in Iron Man 3, and then it just kind of goes away. But it, it's still there. And I honestly feel like he could have depression, too, if you, like, really look at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, extreme daddy issues, too. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, like... In Civil War, we see that Tony no longer trusts him, trusts himself or his judgment, and it also like leads him to not trust other people, and that's why he's like essentially signing himself away in the Accords and is like, no, the collective is more important than the group, and he like does a complete one eighty from like the viewpoints we saw him enter this movie series with. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Steve Rogers, um, he goes through his own like stripping down of his character in Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is such a good movie. I love Winter Soldier. Because, like, essentially what it does is, like, it completely strips Steve of his character, like I said before, where, um, like, he really starts to question authority and is probably, like, where his 180 and character development happen of... um, like, partly from Tony's influence in, like, the first Avengers movie and partly because of his own judgment and, like, what, um, and S.H.I.E.L.D. creating, like, a bunch of weapons, he was like, um, okay, so maybe my bosses aren't always right and I'm fighting for the wrong side. And, like, in Winter Soldier, he also learns that he's been fighting for the organization that's been infiltrated by HYDRA Mm-hmm. which were, like, the guys that he fought 70 years prior. And so, like, that information, A, leads him to, like, severely distrust distrust authority in the future, like, for the remaining MCU movies. He, like, very much stays true to his character and, like, realizes what's happening. He was fighting for the wrong side, so he works to, like, right all of his wrongs. Right. And it also, like teaches him about corruption that can go on in the government, which I think, like, severely influenced his reason for not signing the accords. Winter Soldier gave him trust issues to the point where, like, he wouldn't trust, like, Winter fully soldiers, trust Tony. Winter, soldiers, Winter, yeah, Winter Soldier was pretty rough for Steve. I 100% agree with you. I mean, yeah. so much went on with him, and that's, that's a movie I can definitely say was meant for him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but... It, it's a second movie in the trilogy, but, like, yeah. it's... Like, you can visibly see him, like, change throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool how they wrote that movie. Yeah. Also, Bucky comes back mm-hmm. as the Winter Soldier, um, and, like, Peggy's also there, but, like, mainly Bucky. And what, to me, like, thematically speaking, what Bucky represents is, like, a lot of Steve's old ideals and... um like, Steve's old way of life and following orders and everything, and how that, those ideals were essentially corrupted with, like, the infiltration of Hydra. Like, Bucky was a very honest and, like, a good person, but he got kidnapped and brainwashed, which, like, led him... You can't do much about that. No, he can't. It's not Bucky's fault. I will defend Bucky Barnes till the day I die. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't... He had no control. But, like, it shows how good things can be corrupted. Um, And, like, Steve learns that from meeting him. It's also, like, 
Steve and not Steve and Bucky, Bucky and Peggy show introduction in the movie um, shows Steve of like having a chance of home and like those are basically his safe places um, while he's still a man out of time in the modern world and everything. Um, they're like his last remaining piece of who he is um, from the 1940s. Uh, Bucky's character also shows him, like, the gray area and morality because, like, he's done some bad things, but he didn't have the choice over it versus where, like, first Avengers Steve or, like, Avengers Steve would have been, like, was very much of, like, a black and white person in terms of, like, morality and everything. Here he learns, okay, so there is a gray area. I can exist in the gray area, which is, like, what he goes on to do in the future. Um, and then there's also Age of Ultron where, like, by the end, Steve doesn't really want a family anymore, we see, because... And I feel like the audience also could have just inferred that from, uh, really, I would say, before Winter Soldier, almost at, like, I would say Avengers. Because yeah. you can already see him start to isolate himself, and you can see that... I can, I almost think that he really only likes working with people when it's... To just get a job done. Oh, yeah, and then definitely. Well, if he feels like he can handle it, then he does it himself. Yeah, but... Which isn't something, like, you wouldn't want... I don't think you would want a family if you feel like you can get stuff done by yourself. Yeah, and it, like, shows him not really doing anything for himself either, which changes later on. Winter Soldier also, like, is a great example of Steve, like, valuing the individual over the collective where he's, like, fighting for Bucky rather than um, other, like, everything else. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was working on, like, righting the wrongs and, like, bringing Hydra down, but he wouldn't do it at Bucky's expense. So that's, like, where Steve's character went through its 180. Yeah. And then... uh, Now he's going in the opposite direction. These characters reaching their 180, it leads to, like, the Sokovia Accords in Civil War, where Tony is the one that's, like, fighting for the collective and, like, being like, we need to be put in check. We should sign ourselves away and, like, work under someone else. Right. Whereas Steve is like, no, this should be our choice. We need to have control over who we are, which is, like, the exact opposite of what they would have done in, like, phase one. Um... Which is a good sign of character growth. Yeah, it shows that, like, people can change. Mm-hmm. There's the issue with, like, the government hunting Bucky, but Steve trusts Bucky because Bucky was framed with the murder of the king of Wakanda. Um, and, you know, naturally, whenever you as- whenever you're, everyone thinks you assassinated a world leader, they go after you because you are considered a terrorist. Yeah, and that, yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> don't blame them. But Steve, like, trusts Bucky and knows Bucky didn't do that, um, unlike literally everyone else. So that, like, leads to an even bigger rift in the Avengers, I think, because Tony's like, why are you trusting this dude? He's a terrorist. And Steve's like, no, he's not. And in Steve's defense, he was right, but, like... I feel like Tony had a fair reason to trust his judgment um, with the information he was presented. Then, like, after he was presented the whole information, he, like, went to try to make amends. And then Tony learned that 
Bucky killed um, his parents, um, which, like, led to... And Steve knew about it, and Steve didn't trust Tony with information, so he didn't tell Tony. And, like, just trust issues between um, Steve and Tony is, like, what led to the biggest rift in the Avengers. Not not just, like, the um, difference in ideology, but, like, them not trusting each, each other enough with, like, their different ideologies. Steve also drops the shield after he... Uh, after his fight with Tony, um, which, like, first off, we see that Steve could have killed Tony, but he doesn't. He just uses the shield to disable him. And then after Tony tells him that he he doesn't deserve the shield, Steve drops it, essentially, like, leaving behind the identity of Captain America. Now, if you, like, remember, the identity of Captain America was, like, created by the U.S. government. So, like, he's essentially stripping away, like, any form of attachment to authority by doing that um, and going rogue. And that's his individuality speaking. Oh, what else? He also, like, it shows he values his friendships with the individual over um, and, like, helping the individual over the thoughts of the collective and, like, what everyone else is saying he's gonna do what's right rather than do what would like be peaceful um like also at the end of civil war we do see that like steve sends tony a burner phone and like is open to making amends with tony it's he's just like putting it all in tony's hands and yeah Mm -hmm. um and so then we move to phase three which is essentially like them the two characters healing and finding balance within themselves um, in Spider-Man Homecoming, we see um, Iron Man, like, Tony Stark being a father figure for Peter Parker. Essentially, like, him wanting Peter to be the better version of himself. And a lot of that, I think, is because he still doesn't trust himself to be Iron Man or, like, to be a to hero, be hero yeah. anymore. So he's like, okay, so here's this, like, really smart kid who's got, like, a good sense of morals let's raise him to be better better than I was. Um, he's also got Pepper back, which, like, shows that he's, like, taking more responsibility and agency in his life and everything and is caring for others. Um, and, like, he takes a lot of responsibility over Peter in the sense of, like, teaching him um, Peter's well-being and everything. He actually, like, shows up whenever Peter does something wrong. Uh, tells Peter that if he's nothing without the suit, then he probably shouldn't have it, um, which, like, is a brief callback to uh, the first, like, few Iron Mans and who Tony was in Phase 1, where he was a whole person before he had the suit, and then after of, like, him being a genius year, genius billionaire playboy philanthropist line from, like, the first Iron Man, not first Iron, from the first Avengers movie to, like... Him learning that, oh, I can survive with this, without the suit. I don't need to use the suits as a security blanket in the third Iron Man movie. And it's like a callback to what he learned and like what his character arc was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes like a lot of responsibility over Tony, which like leads to Infinity War, where like we learn he still hasn't made amends with Steve, 
but he's ready to settle down with Pepper um, and, like, start a family and everything. And, like, when the time came and, like, aliens were invading New York again, um, he was, like, ready to do what needed to be done. He wasn't, like, going to wait around for a for a counselor or anything. Kind of like Steve. Yeah, he just, like, suited up and went to space. We also, like, see, again, Tony being, like, an insanely guilt-driven character. Um, Infinity War, he suffers, like, quite possibly the largest blow he has ever suffered in losing Peter in his arms. And that, like, leads to the callback in Homecoming where he says to Peter, if anything happens to you, then that's on me. And then we see Peter Parker dust away in the snap because of Tony. Or, like, at least he thinks it's because of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, the very thing that he was afraid of in Age of Ultron, of, like, aliens coming and them being defenseless and nothing happening, um, happened. So, moving on to, like, Steve's healing journey uh, in Infinity War, or, like, Steve in Infinity War... Because, like, Infinity War is where they're healing. Endgame's where, like, they found their balance. With Steve, we see, like, he's... And even in his uniform, he's, like, lost all the stars and stripes. Like, he doesn't have a star on his chest anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, shows... He's not, like, really fighting for America or, like, really any government anymore. He, he'll just, like, fight for what's right and, like, fight for the people at this point. Like, no... It's just a matter of ethics at this point. Yeah, like, no allegiance to anyone other than, like, maybe his friends. Yep. Um, And, like, he's gone rogue, fighting for the individual, and, like, he wouldn't... He wouldn't let Vision sacrifice himself, which Vision's... Vision literally says that, like, Steve did the same thing 70 years ago. Why would this be any different? But you see how much Steve's grown because he wouldn't let Vision do that. Even if, like, there might have been a chance that the snap wouldn't have happened. Um, like, to him, one life's still too many. Um, I don't, Do you think if they sacrificed Vision, anything would have happened? Um, I mean... Because, like... That's kind of tough. Because, like, in the final battle... Wanda had, like, Wanda did eventually have to break the Mind Stone, but Thanos just used the Time Stone to, like, rewind time and took it anyways. So it wouldn't have made, like, a huge difference. Yeah, I don't, I really don't think it would have made a big difference at all, actually. Um, but, like, even the sentiment of it, of, like, we're not losing vision. Right. Um, also, like, during Cap's big entry back, uh, um, he, like, tells Governor Ross, or Secretary Ross, um, that he's way past, he's not asking for forgiveness, and he's way past asking for permission, essentially being like, yeah, you know what, I don't, I don't care what anyone says anymore, I'm just gonna do what I think's right, um, and he generally does make the right call, and, like, even when he introduces himself to Groot, he says, I am Steve Rogers, showing that he's got, like, no alignment to the Captain America identity anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Also, end of Infinity War, he loses Bucky. Again, for like the third time. Um, so he like lost all home again. Pretty much. 
He really needs to stop losing Bucky. Yeah, just do better. <laughs> uh, so then Endgame happens. Um, after the five years passed, Tony has started a family. And it's like something that, like I mentioned earlier, was set up from the very first Iron Man movie where he was a man without a family. And now he has one and he wants to be like a better father to his daughter than his dad was to him. Mm-hmm. Um he also doesn't want to, like, reverse anything, like, reverse anything that happened initially until he sees, like, a Peter of, pic- a Peter of picture, um, a picture of Peter, and is like, okay, you know what, maybe we could, like, make a compromise, and I think that's, like, the big thing in the two ideologies, where neither one is completely right or completely wrong, but, like, the middle ground is the best way to, like, live a fulfilled life and he like learns to compromise and tells cap um like get back what we lost but keep everything i found um and and, like what happened in the snap so like his family's still safe but he's got like peter back all the other snap victims come back um and he makes amends with tony fairly quickly i'd say like after all the work it took to end the friendship they're just like they're just like okay yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Because, like, there was a mission that needed to be done, too. Right. Um, and also, in the end, Tony's the one that, like, makes the sacrifice play. This time, not being, like, cocky about it in the end like he was in the first Avengers movie, but, like, being like, okay, you know what? I'm just a guy. You are a big purple giant. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. And then, like, he stops bring- and, like, wipes out Thanos' army um and like that move essentially proves the first avengers movie captain america where he like where there's that argument between steve and tony and um cap tells tony that he's not the one to make the sacrifice play but in the end he was he grew so much as a character that he was willing to lay his life down for everyone else um, but, like, he made sure that his, like, personal life was well taken care of, that his family was taken care of and everything, and then he, um, gave himself up for everyone else. Yep. Whereas Endgame Steve, um, after the snap, he, uh, became a counselor for everyone else, essentially, like, helping everyone else with his grief, because he's, like, already been through enough, and, like, he knows how to deal with it and everything. Yeah, because knowing how to deal with your own problems and helping other people is probably going to be really good for his depression that I definitely think he has. <laughs> Steve Rogers? Yep. Okay. I know he does. Yeah, probably. He's lost a lot of people. He was in he was in a world war. Exactly. Um he also like participates in the time heist and like is very on board with the idea. Not necessarily for himself cuz like there's not a ton that he could get back. Um, other than, like, a few of his friends, but he does it because of the sense of responsibility he still has with everything. So it's, like, mainly his self-righteousness, which is why he's doing it, rather than um, any sort of personal gain, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, like, brings him a bit back from, like, the 180 he did in, like, um, Civil War and, like, in Civil War and, like, Infinity War to I'm going to help, like, everyone else again a bit 
He also, during the time heist, we see how much of a goody two-shoes he used to be in, like, phase one. Yeah. And how he went from having the emotional range of a teaspoon to, like, having a personality. Good for him. Good for him. He, f- he got there in the end. Yep. Uh, Good to see. And he, like, still follows his morals and all of his ethics and ideologies. But he will allow himself to be in a moral gray area of, like, deceiving the Hydra agents rather than punching his way out like he did in Winter Soldier. Or um, just, like, lightening up a bit and fighting, like, and fighting the younger Captain America. And then the final battle, which gives me chills, like, each time of, like, him picking up Thor's hammer and, like, being worthy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know that scene in Age of Ultron where, like, they're all taking turns to pick up and the And he hand? moves it. Yeah. Do yep. you think he was worthy th- then? Uh, yes. Yes. I think he... That's that's the thing. Like, obviously we don't really know because it's all in the writing. Yeah. But he could have definitely been, like, holding back. Yeah. For sure. Of, like, helping Thor's pride and everything. Right, exactly. Keep... Because like, Thor got, like, really scared for a moment, and then he was like, oh, no, okay, it's fine. Everything's fine. Right. Um, but, yeah, he picks up the hammer, showing that, like, he is a worthy person who is still good at heart, like he was in the first Avengers movie, or in the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie. He also, during the time heist, encounters Peggy again, which, like, that's a bit of jumping around, but, like, him encountering Peggy again, I think, like, led to the decision of him wanting to go back in time towards the end and, like, live a life for himself for once and, like, doing something for himself. What did you think about him going back in time? Because, like, I had pretty mixed feelings about it. Explain your mixed feelings. Well, like, okay, so he spends, like, every single Captain America movie fighting for Bucky and, like, staying with Bucky and everything. Like, he started a whole civil war. He broke up the Avengers because of it. And then in the end, he's just kind of like, all right, pal, I'm out. And, like, we learn later that he and, like, Bucky and Steve did have a conversation about it. But, like, bro, you just, like, left all the friends you made. But at the same time, it does, like, do a really good setup payoff of, like, Steve finally getting that dance and, like, living a life and doing something for himself for once, which is nice. Um, So, yeah, like, just different emotions of, like, who he is as a person. And, like, it just conflicts on who Steve is as a person day to day. I see what you mean. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's good that he finally did something for himself and not just for his work or his job. Like, Yeah, he's not just a soldier anymore. He is a fully fleshed human being with, like, presumably a wife and a family and everything. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of, of the episode... The main reason the MCU works so well is because of, like, this dichotomy we see between Steve and Tony of, like, their characters being so intertwined together of these two ideologies can't exist separately and you need to, like, find some sort of peace and balance in your life with the two ideologies of, like, not always, like, being so insanely selfless that you're, like, giving yourself away every single time, but not being, like, a selfish, a selfish narcissist that only thinks for yourself, and, like, finding the balance in between and being a well-fleshed-out human being. Right. 
Being being the gray. Being yeah, being in the gray area. Um and so it also shows like how much people can change. Like a really good thing about the MCU, um, and like the movies being such a long film series is they're able to tell these stories as if it were like a TV show. So you see like a tremendous amount of character growth between them. Mm-hmm. I know. I'd say that's like a good place to end off the episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next time I'll be talking about One Direction and how their last album was basically just their goodbye album and them saying goodbye to like their fans and each other and the world. Yeah, and that's going to be a pretty big one. So to see that or to watch other episodes of this series, go to fhntoday.com. Once again, I'm Rhea. And I'm Parker. Thanks for watching. watching.